Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The KSL Greenhouse. Information and great talk about your home, garden, and your lawn. If you love perennials, can't get enough help on landscape design, or just want to keep your lawn and vegetable garden pest-free, grab a pen. It's the KSL Greenhouse on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for being with us for the KSL Greenhouse Show. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you this morning. We'll be taking your calls at 801-575-8255. You can also text us at 57500. It's really tough for me to hear that 40 is going to be the warmest it's going to be this week. Yeah, bundle up. No doubt about it. But this is a really great time to get all of your motorized lawn equipment ready for winter. And what are some of the things we need to be thinking about? What should we be doing? Well, every time we cover this topic, I get some texts from some mechanics to say, were you like schooled in the idiot school of mechanics? Or So I have downloaded a fact sheet and we've made it available from the University of Georgia on winterizing your small engines. Mm-hmm. Now, in addition to that, I'm going to say You're a little follow, sensitive on this topic, aren't well, you? Well, very rarely do we get called out, but every time we talk about winterizing small engines, at least one person texts in or emails or comments on Facebook how dumb we are or how dumb the person is that we... The expert. The expert was, mm-hmm. and so... All I will say is follow your manufacturer's recommendations because they vary a little bit according to if you have Honda or Toro or whatever it might be. And so the thing that holds true, though, with winterizing small engines is that most of our gas has ethanol in it. And ethanol is terrible for small engines. It, especially if you don't keep cycling it through, because the ethanol will break down rubber gaskets in your carburetor and make the carburetor malfunction. And in addition to that, it puts a patina on the carburetor parts and also clogs it up and makes it so you have to spend $120 at the repair shop for them to put a new carburetor on your small engine. So So empty out the fuel. Empty out the fuel. So drain it 
and then start the engine and let it run for 20 or 30 seconds to get all the fuel out of the lines and all the fuel out of the carburetor. And they say, you know, one thing I've done is if I've had just a little bit in there, I'll let them run for four or five minutes. Mm -hmm. But then you're supposed to try to restart it several times, pull that cord. And if you don't do that, you still run the risk of the ethanol fuel being stuck inside the carburetor. Mm-hmm. So in addition to this, it's a great time to check for zert fittings. Um, that's where you squirt grease into moving like gear shafts and things like that. And so rototillers oftentimes that are a zert fitting is a little, looks like a little, it's bigger than a BB, but it's just a little thing that's put into nipple that's put into an area where you can get grease Inject it into the moving parts, you know, that turn the tillers, the the blades on the tiller around and other areas. And so you're going to do that and then also sharpen anything you need to. So your lawnmower blades, your tines on the tiller, those can be sharpened. And then just give it a once over, clean the filters out, the air filter do anything you need to now because if you try to do this in the spring, a lot of times shops are backed up over a month. Sometimes things aren't available that you need because everybody's purchasing them. And so right now is a great time also to change the oil. And then so having that ready to go for spring. Change the oil, empty out the fuel. Yes. Biggest and then thing. grease anything that needs to be greased. And then you may even get a light coating of um really thin oil, almost like a motor, a machine oil, and then just put a light layer on any parts that have maybe have a tendency to rust. So that acts as a protectant. Now, the other thing that we don't think about is we're pulling our snowblowers out and getting those ready. And so if you have not pulled your, your snowblower out to make sure that it's going to still run, I would highly recommend pulling it out and getting it going and getting it into the shop before we have snow that sticks so that they can work on it. You know, the same thing that happens to your mower over the winter can happen to your snowblower over the summer. And so it's just imperative that you maintain all of these. And then I've noticed that a lot of gas stations have started to carry ethanol free fuel in some of their pumps. Mm -hmm. And so even though I pay 20 or 30 cents more a gallon, I will make sure that I have five gallons of ethanol free fuel on hand so that if I don't get something winterized because I forgot or something, the chances of ruining a, ruining a carburetor are far less. Yeah, and there's nothing worse than uh, having a big snowstorm and finding out, hey, my snowblower doesn't work. Yep, you better get that shovel going because and I, I'm actually, I need to do that this afternoon on my own. All right. And if you want to know more, anything else I need to know? Well, those are the major things that you would want to do with your small engines. You know, all the maintenance you can do. It's just the shops are slower right now, so you can get it done. If you do have ethanol-based fuel and you can't find ethanol-free because, let's say, you live in a small town or something, you can buy stabilizers that will mitigate the effects of the ethanol. And so Stabil is one of them, but there are many others. And you can pick them up for four or five bucks for a bottle from a local hardware store. Mm -hmm. So even other tools benefit that aren't motorized, like cleaning your shovels and your little pruners and your loppers and things. They really do. And we use those over the summer. And the plant 
uh, juices. We'll just call them that. There's several things in those plants as you prune that stick to the blades of your loppers. Mm -hmm. And if you don't wash that off, it can actually rust and pit the blades and make it harder for you to sharpen them and just reduces the longevity. And so I like to clean mine up with either WD-40 or um, Mike likes a product I think called Fast Orange or Orange Oil, Citrus Oil. But these will put a light coating of oil on the blades that will protect them from rusting. But it also breaks down a lot of the resins and things from pruning so that you can just wipe them off with a tissue and throw them away. And so that's the other thing you can do is sharpen your pruners, sharpen your shovels, you know, anything like that. But go in with a wire brush and then just wipe all the dirt off and get it down to metal and then just use either machine oil or WD-40 and just put a light coating of oil on there to protect them over the winter. All right. And you can find a fact sheet on preparing your motorized lawn equipment on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. We are coming back with more on your calls and questions. Number to call 801-575-8255. Text us at 57500. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for spending your Saturday with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Anton with you this morning. Let's go right back to our phone lines. Jerry has been waiting very patiently in West Haven. And good morning, Jerry. How can we help you this morning? Hi. I work as a certified arborist and a licensed pesticide applicator in northern Utah. I'm seeing kind of a troubling pattern amongst all the other troubling things we have going on right now and environmentally. We have a lot of Avis concolors that are defoliating and white dying. White fur for the general population okay, out I'm there. Like, what Concolor is that? for a white, white fur. fur. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. go ahead. And as a, as a description of what I'm seeing, it we're not seeing anything that indicates there's a bark beetle involved. I kind of wondered about needle cast. And it's, it's a bit of a different pattern. On the needles themselves, about half the needle turns red and shrinks, and they stay attached to the tree for a while, different than, say, a needle cast disease. Um, we can flip them over and look at the stomata and see if we're seeing any black, you know, the little black spores of fungal spores. We're not seeing that. Um, kind of perplexed, but I work in four different counties, and I probably have better than 75 trees right now that I'm trying to work with. And Are these in landscape situations or in forest? Primary landscape. 
and the worst areas out around South Jordan. Um, I'm seeing them all the way to Box Elder County up in Logan, a lot in Weber. So it takes about two seasons, and they're dead. They will defoliate, similar to a, a needle cast. Yeah. But My next question is: Have you talked to the homeowners to see if irrigation has changed? That it may not be the direct cause, but because of reduced water, they're becoming more susceptible to some. Might be exacerbating things because of the the drought. Yeah, we've we've got everybody working with them in most cases on a, a drip system where they're they're watering for a long duration, two three times a week. Is it under the entire canopy deeper? or the or are they just right up against the trunk? We're doing them right around about halfway between the drip line and the trunk. Okay. What I would do is submit some samples up to the USU Pest Lab. Claudia Nishwitz, who's our uh, plant pathologist, is very good at looking for really uncommon things. And I'm with it being that widespread, I'm wondering if drought stress is contributing a bit, but if there's something else going on, because I know that this like subalpine firs in our forests are being taken out. Is it by an adelgid that's moved yeah, from it's the east? Woolly, yeah, woolly, woolly adelgid. adelgid. After, yeah. And you haven't seen that in any of the fur, the white fur? No, I've, I've really tried to look close for you know, any evidence of uh, turpentine beetle or bark beetles or any of those things, I'm not seeing any type of stuff on the bark. The other thing that I would would be interesting to check is I know that like Mueller Park Canyon, the dominant tree in it is white fir. And down my way, Sanaquin Canyon has a lot of white fir. Maybe I'll take a drive up and see if I can see anything going on in the canyons to see if there's any differentiation with heat or watering or if those trees are going down too. Because I unfortunately haven't made it into Sanaquin Canyon this year just been busy but maybe i'll take a drive up there and see yeah this is this is really unique and i i run across all the weird stuff i stopped and said hello to you one day at yeah i remember brought you some spruce right. yeah. samples. yeah well thank you if you find some samples bring them over to jerry goodspeed or sheridan hansen at the usu botanical center in kaysville and see what they think, and then at their Master Gardener Clinic. But I would have Sheridan specifically look at them and see if we can get some samples up to Claudia. We'll, we'll try that. Okay. Yep. Great. Jerry, thank you so much for your call this morning. Uh, next listener, Ton, says they've been battling grubs for about three years now. They buy the grub fertilizer from the store, and they're wondering what else you would recommend. Make sure that the – I mean, hopefully in a drought cycle we're not overwatering, but – Lawns that dry out between irrigations, not to the point of browning them out, but they're far less likely to be in there. Then I would submit samples to USU. Sometimes we think we have something and it's different. You know, we think we have grubs and it turns out to be a fungus. And so I would submit some samples in May or June or July when they first show up, up to USU to make sure that it is grubs. And then the other thing is that our lawn or the lawn protectants, the uh, Grub preventatives oftentimes peter out by mid-July. And so you may have to do a second application in late July or early August to get you through the season. All right. Let's go back to our phone lines. Richard is in Bountiful. Good morning, Richard. What's your question? Yes. I My tomatoes this year, my early girls, the uh, Romas had great big green cores in them. 
and I've never seen that before. Was that due to the heat or is that? It was. I, for a long time, trialed dozens of tomato varieties, and the main detriment to many of them was that they would get that coring in them. And the varieties I saw that didn't get it were celebrity, at least as much. And also one that you would have to order seed for called BHN 1021. And both of those were very resistant to it. But in a bad year, you can have a lot of your fruit with it in in there. And it's just physiological due to heat and maybe even sporadic irrigation. But it's probably the heat that causes it. They're on a drip. So that's it. My second question is, I bought some plant, uh, plants from a local nursery here and I thought that they were sweet 100s but one of the plants grew these tomatoes like they looked like romas but they were six inches long and yeah I you kept, probably I, got oh, what is the name of that variety super super sauce sauce yes variety what yes. was that again super, super sauce. sauce super soft well, S A U C E, not soft, but sauce like tomato sauce. Okay, because they were great. They were paste tomato type thing, and just like I, but they were like they were on steroids. <laughs> yeah, okay. they were introduced, I think, by Burpee, or I think it's Burpee, but it's just a variety called Super Sauce. And you, what probably happened is someone mistagged. Mm-hmm. The plant or the seeds got mixed up, and you have a few super sauce in the middle of the sweet 100s. Okay. Well, I'll check, check with Burpee, baby. Thank you very much. I Thanks, appreciate Richard. your show. Thanks for your call this morning. Uh, next listener says they put leaves in their garden using a shovel to turn some dirt on them. What should they put on them so they will decompose more quickly? A little bit of nitrogen fertilizer, just inexpensive, 20-0-0 would work, and Otherwise, I think that they'll decompose fairly well over the winter either way if they have introduced soil, especially on top of them. Cat from Roy would like to know when is the best time to aerate the lawn and how often should you do that? Sometime in early to mid-May when the lawn is growing at its fastest is when you aerate because it recovers more quickly. Mm-hmm. And if you have loamy or clay soil, it's good to do it every year, especially if you have kids playing on the lawn or a lot of traffic. If you get lots of traffic, then spring and fall, you would do it sometime in mid-September again. Uh, what are some good evergreen or semi-evergreen bushes that can grow well in dry soil and part sun? Well, I wish I had more information because if it's a west exposure, my recommend- recommendations are going to be very different than an east exposure. So give us a couple each. Well, on the west exposure, some of the dwarf privets, uh, low-dense privet would be one that holds its leaves into November, into December, would be one they could look at there. And then on east exposure, autolichens laurel is one. There's some euonymus that may work or even photinia. Those are quite a few on an east exposure. On west, the privets are going to be the longest to hold their leaves of anything that's going to tolerate that hot afternoon sun. Okay. Gordon is in Sandy. Good morning, Gordon. What is your question? Uh, I have a question. Uh, I, last last year, I planted uh, quite a few strawberry plants, and uh, they they just did kind of mediocre. And I figured next year they'll 
really bloom, and they did. This year they really came on strong. We picked uh, a gallon or more of strawberries every twice a week anyway, and we enjoyed them. But they have grown so thick with the shoots that they send out, I think maybe I should have been cutting those off and stopping them from spreading so much. What was one foot wide row is now four feet wide. So what what uh, should I have done? Well, it depends because if you wanted it to spread to four feet, that's fine. But what you would do in a situation like that is go in and find the biggest, oldest plants and then remove them with just like a dandelion digger. And you're going to take 25 to 30% of the strawberry plants out every year. And you're taking the oldest ones out that are three years old or older. Okay. Should I do that in the spring? You can do it now or in the spring. Either's fine. Then as far as maintaining a row uh, if you see those strawberries spreading into areas you don't want them, you can hoe them out or cultivate them out some way to just maintain your row. Okay. Uh, it takes regular pruning then. Yeah, regular maintenance, maybe once a month. All right, Gordon, thank you for your call. We need to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. Number to call, 801-575-8255. Text us at 57500. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.